everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular's single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. We're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and flags errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Saving starts with knowing where to look. Visit HealthLock.com today before you see another healthcare provider. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Here at the Black Information Network, we know how important it is for you to start your week off energized, engaged, and enlightened. So we're looking back at the weekend to bring you the biggest stories you may have missed. Stay tuned for our weekend recap featuring BIN writer and producer Maggie B. Nowen. This is the Black Information Network Daily Podcast, and I'm your host, Ramses Ja. All right, Maggie, I know you had a crazy weekend over there. Talk to me. Um, yeah, it's been an eventful weekend for sure. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I know for certain that uh, the thing that everyone is talking about, obviously it, it broke prior to the weekend, but it's been developing over the weekend is the Trump indictment. The most recent one, the 37 counts uh, relative to his uh, documents at the Mar-a-Lago estate. So uh, talk to us about Waiting through all that. Wow. You know, so we have watched this drama play out. I feel like we have watched, uh, you know, what the Simpsons kind of predicted, what, decades ago, probably as far as Donald Trump becoming president and all of the climactic moments that were going to happen throughout his presidency. I think that a lot of them, we thought like, you know, this is as bad as it gets. This is as crazy as it gets. Oh my gosh, I can't believe this. And we started to get more comfortable, I think, with um, the craziness, the outrageousness. And, um, you know, behold us all, it just continued to get worse <laughs> and more extreme and it has continued to play out. So Donald Trump was elected in 2016. We are here now in 2023 and we have now, um, twice impeached president who has also now, um, achieved his second indictment. Mm. Um, the first ever president in American history. And um, this indictment is actually much different, of course, than the first indictment, which was, um, you know, easily brushed off, or I should say more easily brushed off by Republicans as just, you know, paperwork issue and just kind of 
business as usual discrepancy that should just be kind of brushed under the rug and not really taken seriously. Um, you know, not to mention the, of course, uh, sexual assault that he was found um, guilty of in that capacity, as well as liable for the defamation for the woman that was the victim in that situation. Um, but here it's a federal charge. Um, these are federal, not just a charge, but charges. So there are 37 counts and he is a co-conspirator, co-defendant listed on this indictment. Um, so we were recording last week's end of end of week recap when this kind of was unfolding as far as um, behind the scenes. It was right after we got on off of air, I believe, that they announced he was going to be indicted. Um I I will say when I saw that, you know, and I and I wonder what your feelings were. Um I, I wasn't surprised. <laughs> and my feeling as far as like the the feelings that you would viscerally have when something like that happened should be shock and outrage, but it just wasn't for me because it was fully expected. Okay. So I went back to my messages on record um from last summer and found that there is um definitely my documentation of my prediction of Donald Trump being arrested. I think that this um, charge, these charges are the ones that are going to go down in history as far as the ones that he will go to jail for. So, um, you know, watching this all play out further, it was, um, you know, big question on Thursday if they were going to unseal the indictment and they did end up unsealing the indictment on Friday. So, I'm sure you saw the list and uh, the Republican response. So, yeah, before I continue, let me know what you thought. Yeah, yeah. You know, the crazy thing about this one. So for me, I've been waiting, you know, as they say, you know, how you're waiting on the other shoe to drop. I've been waiting on. His legal predicament in Georgia to take shape, because that was something that we all heard. He was on the phone saying, I need you to find me. I forget the number, but X amount of votes. Basically su suggesting that I need you to <laughs> find me. Like he literally said it out loud. Everyone heard it. And it was inexcusable that a president would interfere with an election in such an egregious way. Out loud. I need you to find me X amount of votes so that I can secure the win. Right. Um, so I've been waiting on that. And, and everything else in and of itself is something that a normal person would, it, it would sink them. But we're dealing with, you know, Teflon Donnie here. And for some reason, justice is elusive in, in this guy's story. But when I saw these counts and it, the counts weren't necessarily uh, the, the counts that rather that caught my attention weren't necessarily the counts that he had the documents because as we've seen, there are other people who have doc classified documents at their residence and, and so forth. These, these are things that happen um, there. It, it wasn't that he um, was in possession of them intentionally or, or necessarily that he was mishandling them. You know, we've seen uh, former presidential candidates mishandle sensitive information uh, that are matters of national security, in particular, uh, Hillary Clinton, right? But in other instances, everyone cooperated and they intended to make it right immediately. And for Donald Trump, he did his best to hide and shuffle and on and on and on these documents. And those are really what the, the strength of these indictments looks like to me. 
as as a person who has to you know cast a vote in the next election as as just an american citizen when you see that this man really does believe himself to be above the law and the way that he moves and and after charges are leveled against him it's a witch hunt organized by biden and obviously you know those those of us in the know realize that joe biden has nothing to do with this right these there 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 are separations at different points in our government to prevent political overreach right and this is why uh donald trump ha was never able to you know use the fbi to bring down joe biden you know what i mean there there um divides in place to keep again uh politicians from overreaching and and attacking their political opponents yeah um but something else that's that i think is really significant here is you know people have been theorizing why donald trump wanted to hang on to these documents myself included and you know i came ac across a tweet that that kind of put an uh a bug in my ear and i've been kind of pondering it since then it's from a person named timothy snyder it says people seem puzzled as to why trump kept the documents that's easy to feel important meh to pretend to be the president meh and to keep something to sell when other scams failed bingo and i started to think like wow okay maybe there's there's something there because all those but we know donald trump's not a reader right so all those boxes he's never going to go and review those boxes these are souvenirs these are mementos no these are things that he can sell things that he can use to compile into works or, or have other people compile into works that are sellable uh and so that got me to thinking okay now he's got a motive right and then obviously we've seen the the indictment he's uh done his best to elude investigators that were saying that he okay you have more documents than these you know where are they and then and then obviously he's communicated with his lawyers they're they're lawyers that are now on the line they've been compelled to break the law to um again shuffle things around this all it's all in the indictment and it's just a sad sad thing to see happen um and yeah. and then to your point you mentioned you know way back in 2016 i came across something else that i believe really helps uh, paint that picture for us and for our listeners too this one comes from lindsey graham <laughs> and uh, it was posted may 3rd of 2016 so um you know it, it's it's sort of it, it aged perfectly it says if we nominate trump we will get destroyed and we will deserve it and he and and he's tweeting on behalf of the gop um not necessarily the entire country and so yeah. um i think that that rings true now more than at any point in history and again the case in georgia that shoe hasn't even dropped yet so mm -hmm. it this is going to only get worse in my it's, estimation. It, it's going to get much worse and let's just you know address a few a few of the things there so you know we're talking we're talking about these documents um it was over a hundred boxes that he had brought to mar-a-lago which in itself was that in itself is against the law um, he's not supposed to remove the documents. There's certain standards and policies and procedures that are very clearly outlined. And actually, in this indictment, they used his own words from the 2016 um, campaign that, you know, where he is uh, driving the 
lock locker up um, montage against Hillary Clinton and just really expressing his full understanding of the significance of classified documents um, to the point where he actually ran on the point of um, we're going to edit the Espionage Act and make it more serious and we need to be treating these classified documents more serious. So they actually did that when he was in office. So mm -hmm. the penalties for these specific charges that he's facing are he actually now worse because of he put them in the place, things that he proposed. Right. So there's no, um, you know, discourse to really entertain as far as he didn't understand. So that's where, you know, to your earlier point, we need to kind of step back and be like, well, why did he take these documents and all of those other, you know, petty souvenir type of reasons? Yeah, maybe that could have been a very small fraction. But realistically, what has he done with the documents? Because Michael Cohen, I, I appreciate him so much for, you know, finding his backbone through the process of the last couple of years. And he took to, you know, the morning shows over the weekend. It's almost like for him taking to the streets and spreading the word, but he was just letting people know that this is just the beginning. And yeah. there's a lot more that is going to drop and really was um, pushing the investigation to move further to, um, you know, Trump's other residences that haven't been searched yet. And then also his children, because there's a lot of players in this and specifically like Jared Kushner, who was Trump's right hand man throughout the administration. He received a $2 billion payment from the Saudis right after Trump got out of office. So it's not what can he do with these documents? What has he already done with the documents? There's mm -hmm. some documents that are missing right now. And the way that the Republicans um, are highlighting, my headline for them was the party of law, law and disorder, highlighting hypocrisy and delusional dissent, because really they're just coming on, you know, like children, not with any type of information, just rallying around their friend. And it's like, what a liability that is. Yeah. But at the Time, it makes me think, you know, how many of these people are doing this, not because they're just trying to fall in line with the Republican Party, but um, because they're potentially guilty and are going to be found as accomplices or co-conspirators in either this or the January 6th case uh, and the um, Georgia case, potentially. Those are RICO charges that are, you know, potentially being um, administered there. So we're going to see a lot of things play out over the next several months. It's going to sure. be very interesting, but um, all hands on deck when it comes to spreading the messages and getting um, the right information out for next year's election because sure, it could be sure. more serious. Well, I'll, I will leave our listeners with this. This is a, a quote from the uh, the judge in the 86-page uh, memorandum. It says, uh, the government has sufficiently demonstrated all three elements of one of the obstruction statutes by providing evidence that the former president intentionally concealed the existence of additional documents bearing classification markings from Corcoran, knowing that such deception would result in Corcoran providing an unknowingly false representation to the government. And I think that that says everything that we needed to say. What's up? You know who it is. It's the one and only DJ Screen, one third of the Big Facts podcast. Big shouts out to Big Bank. Big shouts out to Baby J. You're listening to the Black Information Network. June is Black Music Month. So make sure you listen to our podcast on the Black Effect Podcast Network or iHeartRadio app for stories from some of your favorite artists. Black Information Network writer and producer Maggie B. Nolan is here with us discussing the weekend's major stories. All right, now, Alabama. There's been some movement there. We've been watching this one. I know that I definitely have. Um, for those that don't know, Alabama 
has been under fire for their questionable voting maps, right? They, they drew one district out of, I believe it's seven districts in the state, one district with the three highest populated, uh, with black people, highest populated um, areas. And that weakens, for those that are familiar with gerrymandering, that weakens the strength of black people's vote. And it kind of arrests the values of black people being taken seriously when you now have six communities that are reflecting a predominantly white, (laughs) white people's sensibilities and only one representing the sensibilities of black people. And the way the map is drawn, uh, it, it again, it weakens black people's vote. Well, um, as you know, I'm sure, uh, the Supreme Court weighed in on whether or not that was a constitutional uh, drawing for their voting districts. So give us more on this one. Yeah, this was um, actually a pleasant surprise <laughs> over um, the end of last week. So um, where, of course, there's been a lot of talk about the voter suppression, um, especially since the 2020 election, because it was so close. And, you know, just to to have that the stakes, um, you know, something that we all kind of know are skewed um, as far as the results go because of what's happening behind the scenes, it just it doesn't sit right. So there's been a lot of action across the country with um, independent parties and groups and organizations trying to put legislation, get petitions going to be able to have districts rewritten where it is a fair um, assortment of people in each group and not, you know, disproportionately um, silencing some people's voices in the terms of their vote. And uh, pleasantly surprising out of the Supreme Court, it went all the way up to the Supreme Court. It was a 5-4 decision with Chief Justice John Roberts and Justice Brett Kavanaugh actually joining the court's three liberal justices and um, deciding in the favor of um, the constituents that were arguing that things were unfair. So they will be redrawing um, Alabama's district maps. There are uh, several other cases in other states, um, such as Louisiana, Texas, and Georgia. So this case being decided in this manner um, will hopefully have a positive influence on those cases playing out as well um, and potentially you know in time enough to get things addressed before next year's election uh, because either these are the type of things that really you know when we have states that have the popular vote in a certain capacity at some number but then the electors decide to go to you know the opposite party um, those are basically because of things like this the, the maps drawn inappropriately um, but they looked at you know what was submitted and, and thought that they had done a good job the independent organizations approving their case and really even the propositions that they were making they could have you know been more even egregious and asking for correction and and um doing things that were proposing something that was maybe more in favor even of black people potentially unfairly but because it was something that they were proposing a very fair and equitable policy and um procedures for correction the courts looked at that like wow you know these that's graceful <laughs> in a sense is what it kind of seems like and i think that also helped um you know them maybe make their decision I think that there's also a lot of scrutiny on the Supreme Court right now, um, specifically in regards to the ethics and um, especially like Clarence Thomas, his uh, expenses that were were not, um, you know, 
documented. And then there was, of course, scrutiny on a few other um, justices as well. So I think that they're trying to probably not ruffle too many feathers that they don't have to right now. So that may have played into it. But bottom line is here, you know, they made the decision in the right. And um, hopefully this will have a chain effect that we'll see, you know, really impacting next year's election. Yeah, I want to I want to, um, you know, we've we've picked on Clarence Thomas, I'll be honest, on on this show quite a bit. And oh. I. Uh, let me see, how do I want to say this? Because I want to be fair. I'll be fair. <laughs> okay? So I'm not picking on Clarence Thomas, um, but he was he, he voted in a conservative fashion, which is what we would have expected. But Clarence Thomas is also a black man. And so there are those of us who might think that having a black Supreme Court justice matters when at least it comes to black issues, maybe not conservative issues, but black issues, right? Person who might empathize and understand the implications of a decision that he makes. Well, Justice Clarence Thomas wrote a dissenting opinion that was joined at various parts by fellow conservative justices Samuel Alito, Neil Gorsuch, and Amy Coney, uh, or Amy Coney Barrett, sorry. The Supreme Court has long misrepresented Section 2, he wrote, restating his prior view that it does not even apply to redistricting cases. So that's fair. Not being a bully, that's what happened. Okay? Anybody that has been doing their best to defend him and at least we have some black representation uh, on the Supreme Court. I, 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 I'm of the, the thinking of the uh, National Museum of African-American History and Culture. You know, at the exhibit, when I went and saw all the Supreme Court's history and, and you know, obviously the political history of black people in this country, there's all these gigantic posters of people who've held elected office. And then for the Supreme Court justices, obviously it starts with Thurgood Marshall, huge portrait. And it goes all the way down the list of all the black Supreme Court justices. Um, and then it got to Clarence Thomas and it was a little tiny acknowledgement, the little tiny photo in the bottom corner that was closer to your sneakers than your eyes. And um, yeah, I felt like that was appropriate. And so in that in that spirit, I want to make sure that folks know who their uh, other black Supreme Court justice is and how that person votes. Um, and, uh, you know, this obviously is going to set case precedent. So hopefully this will affect how districts are drawn in other states. And, you know, it's, it's going to take a lot of things to get us further <laughs> and, uh, it's going to be a lot of baby steps, but, uh, you know, we'll count this one right here. Um, hopefully we'll have a better, um, and more accurate representation of how, Folks feel in Alabama, which I don't imagine will not be deeply conservative, but uh, at least it might be a little bit fairer. And and when there's enough people being heard, then perhaps the message might resonate. And that's not nothing. So, um, as always, I'd like to thank you very much for your time and your insight. Once again, today's guest is Black Information Network news writer and producer Maggie B. Nolan. This has been a production of the Black Information Network. Today's show was produced by Chris Thompson. Have some thoughts you'd like to share? Use the red microphone talkback feature on the iHeartRadio app. While you're there, be sure to hit subscribe and download all of our episodes. 
I am your host, Ramses Ja, on all social media. And join us tomorrow as we share our news with our voice from our perspective, right here on the Black Information Network Daily Podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are, and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.